Hello and welcome to the Nutrition Diva Podcast. I'm your host, Monica Reinagel. I'm afraid there's more bad news for manufacturers and defenders of artificial sweeteners. A study published this fall in the International Journal of Obesity reports that the consumption of diet soda or the use of non-caloric sweeteners, NutraSweet or Equal, during pregnancy is associated with a higher body mass index, or BMI, and uh, more fat mass in those children. And they are able to observe that from babyhood all the way through early adulthood. And, you know, the use of zero-calorie sweeteners during pregnancy is not at all uncommon. About a third of pregnant women report using them on any given day. This latest study followed about 1,700 women from Massachusetts. About 70% of them were white, and the average BMI for the women before their pregnancies was 24.6. That's just shy of what would be considered overweight, but considered to be in the normal weight category. And they asked these women to indicate how often they used artificial sweeteners or drank diet soda during the first two trimesters of their pregnancies. And then they followed those children who were born to those women from birth to the age of 18, recording their BMI and their body fat at several different points throughout their life. So then the researchers adjusted all of this data to account for a whole slew of things that could potentially skew those findings, including things like the mother's pre-pregnancy BMI, her age, her race or ethnicity, the educational level, whether or not she'd had previous pregnancies, her physical activity levels and habits, whether she smokes, even the dad's BMI and level of education. And after taking all of that into account they still found that the kids born to the moms who consumed artificial sweeteners one or more times a day during their pregnancies had higher BMIs and higher fat mass compared to kids whose moms consumed little to no artificial sweeteners. And the differences that they saw grew more pronounced as the kids got older. All right, now hang on. If I were in charge of public relations for artificial sweeteners, which obviously I'm not, I would be quick to point out at this point that this is merely a correlation. It does not prove that artificial sweeteners had anything to do with these kids' weight or body composition. Although they collected a lot of information about the parents and they used that to adjust their analysis, the researchers collected virtually no information about the diet or the lifestyle of those kids over the subsequent 18 years. So you could argue that what those kids ate and how much physical activity they got throughout their lifetime had a lot more to do with their body weight than whether their moms drank diet soda while they were pregnant. And you know what? You wouldn't be wrong. One of the things I wondered was whether kids whose moms drink diet soda are more likely to drink diet soda themselves. And I couldn't find any data to support that. And that doesn't mean that the data doesn't exist. I just couldn't find it. But it does seem likely to me. But for sure, all kids are consuming more artificial sweeteners than they used to. About 25% of kids report consuming them on a daily basis. And the proliferation of low and no sugar products in the marketplace may be an additional source of these artificial sweeteners that neither the kids nor the parents are even aware of. Now, there are some interesting data to suggest that kids who drink diet soda end up consuming more carbohydrates and calories than kids who just drink water. 
Now, those drinks themselves do not contain any carbs or calories, but it's theorized that the hypersweetness of these beverages, especially when it's introduced early in life, may lead to more intense desire or preference for highly sweetened foods and beverages. There are also some studies, and I've talked about these in previous episodes, which indicate that these zero-calorie sweeteners may change the makeup of the microbiome in ways that tilt the body's metabolism and appetite regulation mechanisms toward weight gain. And where do babies get their microbiomic starter kit? From their mothers, or at least those born through vaginal delivery do. And the study that we're talking about today did not include data on how many of those babies were born via cesarean section. So yes, correlation absolutely does not prove causation, but there are some plausible mechanisms that could be further investigated here. In the meantime, much to the frustration of diet soda makers, the reputation of artificial sweeteners as a healthy alternative to sugar-sweetened beverages continues to decay. And consumers are definitely paying attention. Sales of diet soda have been declining steadily for years, even more rapidly than declines in the sales of sugar-sweetened beverages. But our love affair with bubbles continues. As I'm sure you've observed in your local grocery store, the fastest growing sector of the beverage market these days are those flavored but unsweetened carbonated water. And so far, it appears that these offer a perfectly safe and healthy alternative to both sweetened and artificially sweetened beverages. I'm still a huge fan of my at-home carbonator, which turns plain filtered water into sparkling water for only a fraction of the cost and environmental impact. Finally, I know that many of you have replaced artificial sweeteners with more natural zero-calorie sweeteners made from stevia, monk fruit, or sugar alcohols like erythritol. And I bet right now you're wondering how or whether this latest research might apply to those sweeteners. And in a word, it doesn't. The researchers didn't collect data on those newer non-nutritive sweeteners, and they limited this analysis to the artificial sweeteners that are most widely used in diet sodas. Now, I've talked about those other sweeteners in previous episodes, and what limited data that we have suggests that stevia and other plant-based zero-calorie sweeteners do not have the same negative effects on the microbiome as we've seen with the artificial ones. But to the extent that exposure to hypersweet substances affects your desire or your appetite for other sweet things, or maybe even just blunts your enjoyment of less intensely sweetened foods like fresh fruit, I would still be a bit cautious about use of even those natural options. You'll find a complete transcript of today's show, along with links to that research and some of those related episodes that I mentioned on our website at quickanddirtytips.com. And I also wanted to let you know about a special event that's coming up. This January, right after New Year's, I'm going to be doing a special New Year's edition of my 30-day nutrition upgrade program. You've probably heard me talk about it before, and if you've never done it with me, it is such a great way to start the new year on the right foot by cultivating some healthy eating habits in a way that's going to last a lot longer than just those 30 days. And it's also just a really fun way for me to have a chance to get to know some of you more personally. 
So if you'd like to learn more about that, all the details are at nutritionovereasy.com slash upgrade. That's nutritionovereasy.com slash upgrade. There is a nominal fee to participate, but if you use the promo code DIVA, you'll save 20% off even that low fee. Promo code is DIVA. That's all for this episode. And next week is the last episode of the year. And we have something special planned for that one too. I can't wait to share it with you. So I will see you here next week. The Nutrition Diva podcast is a quick and dirty tips podcast. It's audio engineered by Nathan Sems with script editing by Adam Cecil. Our operations and editorial manager is Michelle Margulis. Our assistant manager is Emily Miller. Our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. And our intern is Jake Johnson. This is Monica Reinagel, The Nutrition Diva. Thanks for listening. And remember to eat something good for me. Mm-hmm.